0: Uh, let's buy it. <clears throat> Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this incredible privilege of gathering together as family on an evening like this one that you've ordained from eternity past, Father, for our benefit and <clears throat> it's just such a wonderful expression of your love and your care for us, your grace, your mercy, Father. May we never become familiar with all these things that you just pour out on our laps, Father. We do pray for those in the congregation that can't be with us this evening for a variety of reasons. Um, You know best, Father, but we do pray that you return them to the fold uh, as soon as possible so that we might fellowship with them and just be encouraged by each other's faith. Father, we pray also for those in this world that are still lost and without hope um, that they be humbled and receive saving faith, Father, before it's too late. We are most grateful and thankful, of course, for your son's work on the cross to cancel out that debt and to make an evening like this a wonderful time to rejoice and to fellowship. We just ask for your blessings on this evening's message. May it be edifying for our souls. We ask this in Jesus Christ's precious name. By the power of the Spirit, we do pray. Amen. The Lord is our confidence, part 65. How's that for volume? Is that enough? It's about as good as it's going to get, honestly. Uh, I want to begin with some holy scripture. Go to Romans 11.38. Romans (laughs) 11.38. Actually, 11.36. I can't speak or see, apparently. (laughs) Romans 11.36. So this should be uh, familiar from Sunday's message. Um, Just a nice, friendly wholesome reminder from Holy Scripture on the facts of the matter. Romans eleven thirty six 36, For from Him and through Him and to Him are all things. Isn't that beautiful? It's nice and simple. We don't have to find loopholes. We don't have to look for um, disclaimers, anything, all things. I, I would imagine in the Greek, it's probably the Greek word pos. Uh, which means all. For, or from him and through him and to him are all things. So, to him be the glory forever. Amen. Simple enough, right? How about Colossians 1, verse 19? Colossians 1, 19. Just a nice way to get situated. Colossians 1.19. Similar passage. uh, For in him, Colossians 1.19, for in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through him to reconcile to himself here we go again, all things. All things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. From the past couple of messages uh, from this pulpit, we've been presented with the following principle. that started at the tail end of Scott's messages <clears throat> on eternal assurance. Um, but they were preceded, if you remember, by a four-part series called Life is Good Because God Says So. And really, life is good. It's not a matter of emotion. It's a matter of fact and if we read our Bibles that's one thing that we certainly do understand that life is good eternal life is so far beyond and so far better than the transactions we look to in this life it's not worthy of comparison transactions meaning those day-to-day happenings uh, things that might conjure up emotions one way or the other Uh, we never allow emotions to dictate that kind of truth in our lives. As soon as we do, we start uh, railing against our own lives and complaining and murmuring and we basically lose the peace that we have uh, been given by God. So the encouragement was, let's transcend our circumstances. Let's not let anything in this life bring us to the point where we don't get out of bed in the morning and at least know it. Uh, let's face it, right? If you wake up with some bumps and bruises or you're sore, you got a bad back, so, I get it right? You might wake up uh, a little miserable, but you at least need to know that life is good, and that's really what uh, he's been imposing upon this congregation. So the Spirit gave us a glimpse into the big picture curriculum uh, that we've been on, a lot of moving parts over the last couple of months, as we know, Um, even since last summer. uh, This particular series started back in uh, June of 2019, I can't believe it's been that long, uh, here's what we captured on Sunday regarding the curriculum. From that point, um, not quite a year ago, what the Spirit's been saying uh, from this pulpit. There's a curriculum, and the curriculum's existed from eternity past. This curriculum was set before we even showed up tonight. Uh, Ten years ago, 100 years ago, this curriculum, what, what we've been studying the last uh, year was set in stone by God, and you have to think of it that way. But anyways, what the Spirit's been saying from this pulpit, uh, and it's different uh, for those of you who are relatively new, it's different from congregation to congregation. That's why it's um, important um, to stick it out. If God has called you to a certain congregation like this one, stick it out. Uh, give it Give it time because he called you there for a reason and you, you're sort of running midstream. Uh, and if you go... To say another uh, um, godly church, um, there's going to be a different curriculum. And so you have to think about that, those kinds of things. What is the Lord through the Spirit saying to you personally? Um, here's the summary principle though, from that curriculum. The Lord is the giver of all things good, James 1:17, beginning with life eternal, His life, uh, John 3:16. His grace provides us with every ability to obey Him. I actually changed that. It was Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, but I like 1 Corinthians 15, 10 better. And to love Him, 1 John 4, 19. This gives us confidence and affords us this life is good attitude, Romans 8, 28. So let's review those scriptural references now. Go to James 1, 17. James 1, 17. <clears throat> James one seventeen. <clears throat> again, this is just to edify the point on the board, James 1.17, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Go to John 3:16. John 3:16. So that's our first point. The Lord is the giver of all things good. We just read that. Every good gift is from above, James 1:17. And then beginning with life eternal, his life, John 3:16. Of course, I'm speaking to believers here. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Have this very life. How about his grace provides us with every ability to obey him? Go to First Corinthians 15 verse 10. First Corinthians 15 verse 10. Some days you think I have no idea how I'm ever going to follow that command. I just don't have it in me. Uh, I just don't see myself as being capable. For whatever reason you choose, uh, that's a lie, because that's dependence on self. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 10, But by the grace of God, I am what I am. By the grace of God, I am what I am. That means anything good in me is from him and him alone. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace toward me was not in vain, on the contrary, this is Paul speaking, I worked harder than any of them, speaking of other messengers, apostles even, uh, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. That's by grace, we are what we are. Um, how about, let's continue here. So up here on the board His grace provides us with every ability to obey him. We just read that. And to love him, go to 1 John 4:19. Excuse me. And to love him, First John 4:19. <clears throat> so this is amazing as well, that we get to love the holy God of the universe, that He gives us that thing. Uh, there are a lot of people out there that uh, might even say that they love God, but they don't, not with this supernaturally imparted love. That's a very different thing. Um, but he does empower it by grace. 1 John 4:19. We love because he first loved us. It's almost it's reciprocal in the sense. And then finally this gives us confidence and affords us the life is good attitude. Go to Romans 8:28. Romans 8:28. <clears throat> so if you see what just happened, even if you just tie 1 John 4:19 1 uh, Corinthians 15:10 I am what I am by the grace of God and then Romans 8:28. what you realize, and then John 3.16, he saves you. What you realize is that um, this is a buildup, that that everything comes from him. Isn't that funny? So look at at Romans 8.28, and we know that for those who love God, okay, who gives us that love? He does, by grace, right? So first of all, he gives us something that precipitates something else uh... and we know that for those who love god all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose he does everything that's the beauty of it he does absolutely everything and that's where humility comes in as soon as we get puffed up and we think oh i'm doing really good you know in the spiritual life i'm a spiritual giant now um, the reality is we're actually going backwards at that point because that's not godly thinking as soon as you make it about yourself I'm telling you, you're going in the wrong direction at that point. You have to empty, you have to be humble, right? We have this mind, read Philippians 2 when you go home, right? He emptied himself. He said, I'm going to be humble in this calling on my life. And that's what we have to do. We have to remain, as I used to say, out of the way. Just stay out of the way. Uh, As soon as you get in the way and you start, you know, doing one of these numbers, oh man, you're doing so good. You're going in the wrong direction at that point. So that's been our curriculum as of late. Um, It's important that we keep this big picture in mind as we continue on our primary series, which is titled The Lord is Our Confidence. And to complement this activity as of late, I just wrote this week's blog, uh, and it's titled Every Circumstance in Life is a Spiritual One. Every Circumstance in Life is a Spiritual One. Uh, Sound familiar? I wrote a blog on it. Uh, obviously, he wanted to to say more on the topic. Um, and that's what I love about the blogs. They're very, very complimentary. And I always feel um, sad for someone who misses that part of grace. It, it's complimentary. It's almost like a another uh, lesson, if you would, another whole message. Uh, that you can read over a cup of coffee. You don't even have to be here and be all quiet and, you know, that kind of a thing. You can read it over a cup of coffee in your own home, and it will complement and drive home uh, what's been coming from the pulpit. So to help drive this point home in our souls, uh, the Spirit asked the following question of us on Sunday. And it's just a practical question, and it's a wonderful question that we can all relate to, I'm sure. When you're under pressure, who do you turn to? I mean, life happens, right? You're going to walk out of here, your phone's going to ring. Or you're going to get some weird text from some weirdo or who knows, right? <laughs> and you're going to be like, here oh, it comes from work or something, who knows, right? Life happens. You, just, it's just constantly rolling and it's trying to steamroll you. So you know you're going to be under pressure. What do you do? Who do you turn to? That was the question. To get us situated. Um, if your habit is to turn to another member of the human race, you really do have a lot to think about. If that's your habit. If YOU SAY, OH, I KNOW JUST WHO TO CALL. AND I'M NOT TALKING ABOUT SOMEONE WHO, LIKE MYSELF, NOBODY CALLS ME, BUT LIKE MYSELF, THAT MIGHT GIVE YOU ACTUAL, YOU KNOW, SCRIPTURE, AND SAY THIS IS WHAT YOU NEED TO THINK ABOUT. Um, OTHER THAN THAT, I MEAN, UNLESS IT'S SCRIPTURE that is THE VEHICLE, JUST GO TO SCRIPTURE. YOU DON'T EVEN NEED TO CALL ANYONE. JUST GO. Um, AND SOMETIMES YOU MIGHT FIND THAT IN YOUR, in your um, DESPAIR, He'll lead you to the right place, and you'll learn something totally new. I don't know if some of I don't this Bible probably doesn't have it, but anytime anyone ever asks me, I always say, get the um, the MacArthur Study Bible, an ESV, and in the back, there's word studies. You can look up a, a topic that you 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 know you're struggling with. Hey, I'm I'm struggling with anxiety. Look up anxiety in the back of the Bible, and there'll be a list of passages. And you can read him in context, and, he'll, and the, the Word will speak to you, and the Spirit will help you. You see? Um, you have all the tools necessary, but we so seldom seem to take them. So, if you is to turn to someone else, you have a lot to think about. In fact, um, you do have to be retooled uh, in such a way that your first instinct is to turn to the only one who can truly and faithfully help you in your stress, in your distress, right? That has to you have to be retooled. That, of course, is God. Your first option is always go to God. That's your first option. Always turn to Him first. Uh, again, when you're under pressure, who do you turn to? That was the question that got us thinking on Sunday. Uh, so on Sunday, the Spirit quickly uh, disposed, uh, and it was to me, it's almost like housekeeping. He says, Okay, I got to deal with this thing. He disposed any thinking of turning to unbelievers, uh, as they are even further from any goodness uh, that a, maybe even a positive thinking believer in Christ has. The best option is God. You might turn, like I said, to someone's positive, someone you can trust who will give you, you know, the word to think about an unbeliever? Do we re-? you know, it's almost like housekeeping keep- at this point. He's just kind of, he's just saying, I really shouldn't have to say this, but, okay? And, and we read scripture that I'll give you a, another translation on in a moment. And I'll, as I was writing my notes, excuse my silliness, but remember that game, Hotter, Colder, remember that? You, did you have a blindfold, I think, or something like You close your eyes and be like, you're getting hotter, you getting colder? Well, if you're going to unbelievers, you're getting way cold. Someone should be screaming, you're way cold, right? You're way over there. You're going farther and farther away. 2 Corinthians 6, 14-15 uh, in the Living Bible Translation uh, says it this way. Don't be teemed with those who do not love the Lord. Don't be teemed with those who do not love the Lord. For what do the people of God have in common with the people of sin? How can light live with darkness? And what harmony can there be between Christ and the devil? How can a Christian BE A PARTNER WITH ONE WHO DOESN'T BELIEVE. AND LISTEN, FOLKS, THIS ISN'T LIKE ADOLESCENT CRAP, OH, HERE WE GO AGAIN, GOD'S GOING TO NOW START LIMITING MY RELATIONSHIPS. THIS IS TO PROTECT YOU. THIS IS TO PROTECT YOUR SOUL, AND YOU GOT TO GET OUT OF THAT ADOLESCENT THINKING LIKE, OH, HERE WE GO, HERE'S ANOTHER COMMAND, NOW WHAT'S THE BALD GUY SUGGESTING THAT I, YOU KNOW, STOP HANGING AROUND WITH MY FRIENDS? THAT'S BETWEEN YOU AND THE LORD. If they're unbelievers, and you're a believer, you can probably guess what I think about that, but it's not my opinion that matters. You read the Bible. I mean, what does that say to you? Isn't it kind of plain? It doesn't leave a whole lot um, to the imagination. Uh, How how can a Christian be a partner with one who doesn't? Beyond that, at my stage of the game, I'm not saying I'm Joe Advanced or anything, but at my stage of the game, I don't, I mean... What the heck am I going to talk about with somebody that doesn't love the Lord? The Lord is like my centerpiece of my life. And I know He is that way for many of you. He's the centerpiece of your life. If if He's not your best friend, I mean, what are we going to talk about? You know what I mean? I, I can't leave His, I'm not going to drop His hand. I'm not going to pretend He's not there for a time. He's always there. Matter of fact, He's inside of me. And I don't know. I, I find it hard I find it hard when I find out that uh, you know some Christians are able to spend any real time. Um, the, the, The goofiest one is the romantic side of things. How in the world do you get romantic with somebody who doesn't love the Lord? Unless maybe you don't. Maybe that's your litmus test. Maybe at the end of the day, you really don't love the Lord. Maybe you have a bigger problem than you think. Maybe all those years of going to church. Maybe you're going to be like one of those ones that Jesus says, I never knew you. I don't know. But how does that work? That's, not, that's between you and the Lord, but that's how it is in my life. I don't really um, know how to even relate to people uh, other than academically, superficially, unless they love the Lord. So just stop for a moment. I need you to promise me something because this is, going to, this is where this lesson gets difficult. Some of you, by the end of this, might be wishing I was using the word whore and slut again from Sunday at the end of this 15-minute section of my notes. I'm just warning you. Just some of you, though. (laughs) You should have seen your faces on Sunday. Anyways, I want you to exercise unadulterated integrity. Integrity, okay? Integrity means plainly. If it's in here, then we obey, okay? That's what it, If it's here, then stop. Just, it is, okay? And um, whatever the Bible says, it goes. That's what integrity looks like, okay? So that's what I want, just, um, just that you exercise unadulterated integrity in this moment. And I want you to do so without accommodating your fleshly desire for, to make room for those you love, okay? To make room for those you love. I want you to think the way God thinks about the following topic up here on the board. So here's our setup. Romans 2.11. For God shows no partiality. Not a little, not kinda, not when he's tired, none. He shows no partiality. That means he holds everybody up to this standard. It's his word, right? My word on humanity is this. And I have no partiality. I'm not going to... Say one thing to Tammy and another thing to Leo. I'm not going to, you know, uh, treat somebody differently um, on the same topic, if you would. Okay? The Word's the Word, and that's it. And that's what we need to, to hold on to right now. With that said, and with 2 Corinthians 6, 14 to 15, fresh in our minds, which said, don't be teemed with those who do not love the Lord. We just read that. Let's read Jesus' own words. So we have God shows no partiality. Don't be teamed with those who don't love the Lord for what fellowship, etc., etc. Now go to Matthew ten thirty-four. Matthew ten thirty-four. Matthew ten thirty-four. And do not make any. It's probably why he took my voice away. Okay. I'm thinking about it right now. That's probably why, because if you let me get all riled up, you would make it about me, right? I was like, Aah! you guys be like, oh, here we go. He's such a jackass, right? So he took my voice away. And when he does that, he says, okay, the only thing you're left with is right in front of you. This isn't about any, you know, anything. He's not going to preach. He's just going to speak with you and, and read with you. So these are Jesus' own words, though, right? Matthew 10, 34. and whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me whoever finds his life will lose it and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it okay so what do we have here again let's look at the point on the board for God shows no partiality okay none and let's remember 2nd Corinthians six fourteen to 15 do not be teamed with those who do not love the Lord and now, finally, let's loop back in Matthew ten thirty-six to 37a. And a person's enemies will be those of his own household. Now, that doesn't mean you're going to be, like, fighting with people or throwing, you know, slings and stones at each other. That's not the point, okay? We're talking about spiritual battles here, spiritual battles. And if you remember the blog, right, every circumstance is a spiritual one. So it's intrinsic you get the point a person's enemies will be those of his own household whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me okay so what do we rightly conclude if we're functioning in that integrity we all agreed to function in what do we rightly conclude if you can't stomach the reality um, allow me your you know your favorite bearer of difficult news to help you. (laughs) There's no room up here on the board, there's no room for partiality. This includes family members and loved ones. All right, who said it? Ed Collins? Nope. Jesus Christ. Okay, we just read it. I didn't say it. I'm teaching. Done. It's your chance to exercise um, unadulterated integrity. God doesn't show any partiality, right? The Word says, do not be yoked with unbelievers. Uh, They might be in your house, okay? They might be in your family, okay? And I'm not trying to tear apart families. I'm just saying you at least have to recognize what the Bible has to say. That's it. What you do with it, that's between you and the Lord. But you have to at least recognize what the bible has to say that's what's important for starters there's no room for partiality this includes family members and loved ones in fact this warning is especially important when it comes to such individuals in our lives do we disown them of course not however we must face the facts the way jesus did mark 3 31 to 35 go there <clears throat> go to mark 3:31, 31 and uh, keep everything else in mind there's no room for partiality. And this is to protect your soul. Okay? It's not to avoid or start anything with anyone else. It's, when the Spirit says, there's no room for partiality, He's talking about to your benefit. Because as soon as you show partiality, you suffer. That's the point. Mark 3, 31. <clears throat> And his mother and his brothers came, and standing outside, they sent to him and called him. And a crowd was sitting around him, and they said to him, Your mother and your brothers are outside seeking you. And he answered them, Who are my mother and my brothers? And looking about at those who sat around him, he said, Here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of God... HE IS MY BROTHER AND SISTER AND MOTHER. DO YOU SEE THAT? THAT WAS JESUS CHRIST. NOT ED COLLINS. JESUS CHRIST. WHOEVER DOES THE WILL OF GOD, HE IS MY BROTHER AND SISTER AND MOTHER. AGAIN, WHAT'S THE POINT? UP ON THE BOARD. THERE'S NO ROOM FOR PARTIALITY. THIS INCLUDES FAMILY MEMBERS AND LOVED ONES. IN FACT, THIS WARNING IS ESPECIALLY IMPORTANT WHEN IT COMES TO SUCH INDIVIDUALS IN OUR LIVES. Do we disown them? Of course not. However, we must face the facts the way Jesus did. So, there's still a question on the table that remains to be fully answered. What pray tell is the Spirit conveying to us in this message tonight? I'll give you a hint. It's the same thing as the title of this week's blog. Every. Oh, why'd that end up so far up there? I don't know. Every circumstance in life is a spiritual one, every one, and we ought to make um, provisions for other things to sneak in as a result of partiality, but I love them. They're my kid, they're my parent, they're my best friend, fine. What does the Bible say? What does the Bible say? The Bible says there's no room for partiality. If we are to apply, and this is why it's important to have integrity, if we are to to apply the lens of Jesus Christ, which is really the Word of God, the very mind of Christ to life itself, the very last thing we want to do is be partial. That's what destroys it. You'll have a pure viewpoint you look through the Word of God and you say, I get it, I see it, it is what it is, it's good, it's bad, It's uh, who cares, it just is, it's light because it's truth, boom. As soon as you um, introduce partiality, have anybody ever played with a prism? It refracts light and you end up with different uh, spectrum or different uh, wavelengths and you see the different colors and all that kind of stuff. It's like that, it refracts, it, it, it takes away the full picture um, it destroys your sight um, that's what partiality does <clears throat> so I would argue that partiality might just be one of the greatest destructive forces in our lives don't believe me? okay? and don't get mad at me, I told you some of you are going to be like, can we go back to Sunday? Can we like rewind to Sunday? Um, think about how many times you've seen a parent give special leniency to one of their children when it comes to say the gospel. I can't tell you how many times I hear a parent, and for whatever reason it's often uh, mothers, I think it's because mothers have that softness to them, I'm not picking on you, but I'm just saying that's my experience, whatever. I can't tell you how many times I hear a parent say, oh yeah, my kid is like totally saved. And yet the kid has zero affinity for the word of god as evidenced by their lives not their words as evidenced by their lives not their words i don't i'm i don't care what anybody says anymore honest to goodness i can't tell you the last time paula told me that she believes in the lord jesus christ doesn't do i have any reason to think she doesn't not at all right it doesn't matter what she says there she is did you get it? There she is. I can, see the, I can see the light in Christ in her when she walks in. She's not the only one. People are like, what about me? All <laughs> right? Focus, focus. Right? It's not what comes out of you. It's not the words. So, you know, when I hear that, I always, I, I don't say anything. I just kind of say, okay, that's your prerogative to believe that. Uh, I don't see it, but that's your prerogative. Um, When the kid has zero affinity for the Word of God, as evidenced by their lives, not their words, then we have to step back and think. And if these folks, let's say, are challenged, they'll say things like, oh, but, you know, they're a good girl or a good boy, and they've just lost their way for a while. Does 10 or 20 years not set an alarm off in your soul? I mean, if you raised them up in a church, let's say, as a child, and then they just took off, and it's been 10, 15, 20 years, more, I don't know. Um, are we still going to play that game? Are we still going to play the game that just, you know, they just, they've just lost their way? Because uh, that's not what the Bible has to say about that person. So, go to Matthew 12.30. <clears throat> Matthew 12.30. And again, it's scripture here. It's between you and the Lord. But like I said, from before human history even began, this message was ordained. So your emotions about it are really uh, meaningless in a strict sense, right? Uh, Matthew 12, verse 30. He says, whoever is not with me is against me. That's the way it goes. Um, And whoever does not gather with me scatters i just described people that scatter um this is jesus right whoever is not with me is against me and whoever does not gather with me scatters therefore i tell you every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven people but the blasphemy against the spirit will not be forgiven and all that is theologically is when someone says no to the holy spirit's convicting ministry When someone says, because we know from Scripture that he's the true evangelist, right? He's the one who convicts people of the gospel truth about Jesus Christ our Lord. And if someone says no, we call that blasphemy against the Spirit. Verse 32, because he has a special ministry in this world. And whoever speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven, but whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven, either either in this age or in the age to come. Either make the tree good, and its fruit good, or make the tree bad, and its fruit bad. For the tree is known by its fruit. Okay. Again, does nothing set an alarm off in your soul when it comes to family and loved ones? Therein lies the danger of partiality. It's blinding. There are people who live in this blindness because they're partial against towards family members or just loved ones people that they love that they care about and I don't know maybe it's too painful whatever um, you know what though Jesus was never blinded he had perfect eyesight always in fact he made a distinction between his disciples and those who didn't believe in him and by the way these are the same people who will say, he will say to uh, who will say Lord Lord did we not prophesy in your name and do mighty works, a la Matthew 7, 22. He made a distinction between his disciples and those people, the, the ones who, you know, were sort of talked the big game. Uh, here's what impartiality looks like. Go to uh, Matthew 13, verse 11. Matthew 13, verse 11. I don't know about you, but it never fails. The Word of God, um, what, it washes you? I mean, that's what the Word says about it. It washes over you, but even, if you know what I'm talking about, you know what the Word of God does to you. That doesn't happen to everyone. It doesn't happen to a poser. They can hear the Word of God for 20 years of their life and be like, oh. But you hear it, and you're, you're, literally your soul is warmed. Matthew 13, verse 11. And he answered them, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. Look at verse 16. Verse 16. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. Every good gift is from heaven, right? I am what I am by the grace of God. If you can see and hear... Uh, Then you've been graced out. You've been blessed out Um, And Jesus said for those who don't want to hear it. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna give it to them. (laughs) How about that? I'm not gonna give it to them then and at some point I'm gonna cut them off And they'll become a proverb and they'll live their life as an unbeliever and then they end up in the lake of fire Which I don't even want to talk about because it upsets me. So again if a person has zero affinity for the Word of God, as evidenced by their life, um, what might Jesus Himself say, in His perfect impartiality? What might He say? I mean, He didn't mix words, right? Uh, he didn't. And then you have to say, okay, if that's Him, and John 1:14 says that He is the Word and we have the same lens called the word, what say you in your integrity? The dastardly thing I've seen in some of those same people, those parents even, who claim their kids are saved, they're very often quick to turn their noses down at others. It's the craziest thing. And I'm not saying this is only in that realm because don't we all do that? Don't we all do that? The day we're delivered from that sin that we've lived in for 30 years, the day of, we turn around and go, oh my God, you guys are heathens. You were just there yesterday and you were there for 30 years. So don't go throwing stones at partial parents. Parents is just a good example that I think we can all uh, at least relate to or understand. And that's the only reason he's using it. There's no particular reason of anybody in here. Uh, It's just a good example that really drives the point home. But I have seen that thing. My kids are amazing. Oh, those kids are rascals. It's really a picture of how we can all discern for ourselves if we're functioning in integrity without partiality. All we have to do is honestly ask ourselves if we make room for family and loved ones where we don't for others. I mean, in other words, if you're convicted about a certain doctrine in the Bible and you apply it to everyone literally exactly the same, okay, then that's what you're convicted of. You should go with that. You follow your own convictions. But as soon as you start going, well, I have one set of rules for family and loved ones and another set for the rest of the world, you've, you've, you've fractured, you're, you're partial. Your integrity is fractured. Jesus never did that. He literally said, "Fathers and sons, psh, mothers and daughters psh, mother-in-laws and daughter-in-laws, psh, they're going to fracture. when the truth comes on, because the truth is the Makra, right? Remember Hebrews 4:12. It's the word of God. It's a sword. It cuts right to the bone. might kite right through your family. and you have to be okay with it. It might break your heart. BUT YOU HAVE TO AT LEAST ACCEPT IT FOR WHAT IT IS AND STOP LYING. SO, AGAIN, ALL WE HAVE TO DO IS ASK OURSELVES HONESTLY IF WE MAKE ROOM FOR FAMILY AND LOVED ONES AND THEN WE DON'T FOR OTHERS. ALL RIGHT, SO ALL OF THAT WAS JUST TO PROVE THAT WE ALL HAVE A LITTLE PARTIALITY IN US. WE'RE FLAWED. THERE'S NO ONE IN HERE THAT DOESN'T HAVE PARTIALITY. NO ONE. I DON'T CARE WHO IT IS. Everyone in here has some form of partiality. If you don't believe me, come to my office after, and for some of you, even as little time as I've known you, I can tell you where you're partial. Some of you, I'm going to be like, you're going to be here for a while. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to be, pull a chair right, up. I'm just kidding. It's not my business, really. Um, that's not to make excuses or give free passes just because, oh, okay, people like to do that, too, don't they? Oh, well, everybody's partial. so. I am what I am by the grace of God, right? Pfft, they do that thing. It's like, that's a misapplication of that scripture, by the way. Anything good in you, that, this thing is not good. <laughs> that's not from God. That's from your flesh, all right? <laughs> so don't make excuses. Just because you're flawed, that's not an excuse. Oh, God made me this way. Mm. So no free passes. It's more about accepting the fact that if you're hearing my voice right now you are guilty of this awful malady too here's the sad thing about what partiality does to the one exercising i alluded to this earlier partiality is a thief my friends it's a thief it's robbing you if we want to live a life of peace and contentment we've got to live a life of integrity jesus had perfect integrity and he also had perfect peace So, if we want to live a life of peace and contentment we've got to live a life of integrity that is jesus's impeccable example to us to allow partiality into our thinking is to be robbed of our eyesight our ability to see it all as truth ephesians 5 13 14 8. that's what partiality does it robs us of our eyesight we see things clearly and then all of a sudden WE PUT ANOTHER FILTER IN THERE, THE FILTER OF PARTIALITY, OH, BUT, you know, OH, AS SOON AS, OH, BUT, IT'S FRACTIONED. YOU'RE NO LONGER LOOKING AT THAT PERSON THE SAME WAY YOU WOULD LOOK AT ANOTHER PERSON WITH THE TRUTH. YOU'VE NOW SET APART A SEPARATE VEIN OF, of uh, THINKING. GO TO EPHESIANS 5.13, EPHESIANS 5.13. is <clears throat> A THIEF, REMEMBER THAT. YOU'RE NOT, AND BY THE WAY, YOU'RE NOT DOING THEM ANY FAVORS. You're, you're hurting them. When you show another person partiality, in other words, you're compromising the word of God, you are hurting them. You are not helping them by telling them, oh, yeah, you were saved when you were three and a half years old. You know, I brought you up to the altar, and we did this little dance, and you were saved, and, you know, someone put some oil on your forehead, and uh, even though you, didn't even, you couldn't even spell depravity, um, somehow you understood your depravity, you repented from it, You received saving faith. Yeah, that happened when you were three. Is that good or bad? I mean, you'll avoid a fight, I guess. An argument at the dinner table. I don't know. But are you helping them or hurting them? It's not integrity, so you're hurting them. Ephesians 5.13 But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. That's what we want. Just tell me the truth. I just want to know the truth. Okay, I turn the lights on full blast. I look in the mirror, and I'm just covered with ugly. I'm just fugly, right? I'm. U- <laughs> I'm just ugly. Moving right along. Partiality is a thief. Leo, you need to settle down up there. <laughs> I gotta let it out. He's like. I gotta out. Again, the point of the board: partiality is a thief. If we want to live a life of peace and contentment, we've got to live a life of integrity. I don't. Know, if I died tomorrow, I just hope you would know that, among a few other things. Honestly, I want you to be at peace. I want you to have contentment in your life. I'm telling you, if you have integrity to the Word of God, that's the way. Measure yourself. Like think of it in your own life, all the times you literally were living. By the standard of God, and the times you weren't, when you were living by the standard of God and you were obedient, life was good. Right? You you knew it. You lived it. You had peace. You had contentment. You knew you weren't disoriented to your Lord. And then those times where you said, oh, "It's going to take a little hiatus," and you lost it all for a time. You just lost sight of it. You know. Um, so there you go if we want to live a life of peace and contentment we've got to live a life of integrity that is jesus's impeccable example to us to allow partiality into our thinking is to be robbed of our eyesight which is our ability to see it all as truth now as a side note um, step back now and think about the severity of my teaching on sunday Uh, i think most of you are here Um, when it came to strong words, I mean, whoredom and and, and slut, I mean, these are strong words, right? Um, Let me tell you, that's not an easy message to teach on a Sunday morning. (laughs) It's not. I mean, you want to try it sometime? I I, I didn't get any candy or (laughs) deviled eggs or hex great message, pastor. Nope. I had some, oh, this is the funniest thing. I had one conversation with, <laughs> with someone about plowing uh, the soil, right? And the, and the person says, yeah, the slut plow, right? I'm like, dude, that's so wrong. <laughs> anyways, you have to be, anyways. I don't, if I say any more, you probably know who it is. Anyways. IT'S NOT EASY TO TEACH A MESSAGE LIKE THAT ON A SUNDAY MORNING, OKAY? Uh, ESPECIALLY WHEN THERE ARE SEVERAL NEW PEOPLE WERE IN THE AUDIENCE THAT DAY, IF YOU REMEMBER. Um, YOU HAVE TO ASK YOURSELF, DO YOU THINK I LIKE THAT KIND OF TALK? I ASSURE YOU, I DON'T. I DO DO MY BEST TO MAKE SURE NO ONE IMPLODES WHILE I'M TEACHING, SO I DO TRY TO CRACK LITTLE JOKES. Um, SOMETIMES IT'S EVEN PROBABLY NERVOUS ENERGY, TO BE TOTALLY FRANK. Because it's it's, uh, daunting. Um, But that's just me getting through it. But it's exactly as I I said it was. Um, I was teaching that message with the same love that I'm teaching this one with. And just ask yourself, don't you think that, oh, I don't know, with spiritual discernment that comes with this office, don't you think I know that some of you are the parents? that show partiality don't don't you think i know that <laughs> of course i do so these messages are not fun it's hard to stand up here and go hey guess what you're partial and you're hurting you're hurting your child you're offending god and you're hurting yourself you know um those are hard messages to deliver and just so you know most of you have done that thing to my face to be honest but like Jesus in those moments, and I'm not saying I'm Jesus, but I'm just sharing with you how on my side of the fence sometimes, as the receiver, uh, I can get through it. Like Jesus did in those moments, I may not say anything, but because I have to allow the Spirit to convict you of your partiality. However, when I'm standing behind the pulpit, I'm filled with the Spirit, and I'm speaking on behalf of Him, so you ought to listen up. The key point in this little side note is that what you see whenever a man like me teaches a tough message with integrity to the Word, to Jesus, is impartiality from a root of love. That's what it looks like. It's difficult because it's at odds with your flesh. It's at odds with that partial thing in you. Um, Hebrews 13, 7 in the Amplified up here on the board. Remember your leaders, for it was they who brought you the word of God and consider the result of their conduct, the outcome of their godly lives and imitate their faith, their conviction that God exists and is the creator and ruler of all things, the provider of eternal salvation through Christ and imitate their reliance on God with absolute trust and confidence in his power, wisdom, and goodness. In other words, if this guy, this train wreck, can stand up here and deliver a message like that, you can do whatever you need to do. Is that fair enough? That's the point. If I can stand up here and take all of that, then you can do whatever you need to do. That's the point. And I'm telling you, I am what I am by the grace of God. This entire message really is, again, to pivot on this point on the board. Every circumstance in life is a spiritual one ON SUNDAY, I GAVE YOU A TASTE OF MY OWN FOLLY IN THIS AREA, um, WHERE I'VE OFTEN CAUGHT MYSELF, AND I HATE TALKING ABOUT MYSELF, BUT THIS IS LIKE TWICE IN A ROW NOW. JUST SO YOU KNOW, I'VE OFTEN CAUGHT MYSELF ASKING PEOPLE TWO QUESTIONS INSTEAD OF ONE. FIRST, YOU KNOW, HOW ARE YOU? OH, HOW ARE YOU? HOW ARE YOU SPIRITUALLY? THAT'S FOLLY. THAT'S RIDICULOUS. The implication is that there's a difference. And the truth is, there really isn't. There there isn't a difference. Um, As the soul goes, as the spiritual condition of a person goes, so goes the person. That's it. I'm not going to say, hey, how are you doing? And you're going to say, you know what, I got great peace. How are you doing spiritually? I got no peace. It doesn't work like that. The implication is that there's a fracture in the soul. Does that sound familiar? Double soul, like having two souls, dipsuchos, remember that? Yeah. That person I not expect nothing. In other words, you're not going to get half peace and half not peace. You're going to get zero peace. That condition is destructive. Dipsuchos, double soulness, double mindedness, that doesn't work that is literally what partiality is you apply one rule here and another rule here Um, that's like the very definition of double-mindedness so the point the spirit's making is that there is no distinction to be made when we let the light shine on us remember the goal is to see it all as truth we just saw that in Ephesians 5 13 and 14 we can't do that thing if we show up with two different light bulbs in an attempt to reveal parts of a person. In other words, we're supposed to be lights to the world, right? It doesn't say we, have, we carry one light for Jesus and another light for the flesh. We're supposed to be lights to the world. When we show up, that light shines. It's white light. It's pure light. We don't show up with two different light bulbs. like a, You remember those black lights that show all the dandruff? Nobody? All right. Uh, RED LIGHT, YOU'VE BEEN IN THE COCKPIT OF AN AIRPLANE? RED, YOU CAN SEE, BUT everything's RED. WE DON'T SHOW UP TO THE GAME WITH A RED LIGHT AND A WHITE LIGHT THAT SHOWS COLOR AS IT IS. WE SHOW UP WITH ONE WHITE LIGHT, THAT'S IT. AND I WAS THINKING ABOUT THAT. YOU KNOW THE WORD PART? LIKE, YOU WANT TO SEE PART OF A PERSON, BUT NOT ALL OF THEM? THAT'S THE ROOT WORD FOR PARTIALITY, ISN'T IT? YOU ONLY WANT TO SEE PART OF SOMEONE? Uh, UP HERE ON THE BOARD. The word part is the root word for partiality. Our goal is to see it all as truth, not only part of it. This goes with every circumstance in life, which means that spiritual truth is the light we must shine on all circumstances. Does that make sense? Every circumstance is a spiritual one? We have to to approach every circumstance, in other words, with the light of truth. We want that light to shine. We want to see it all as truth, Ephesians 5, 13 and 14. That's what we show up with. We want to take our word and apply it to life. We want to put that out in front and say, well, what does the word have to say about that situation in my life or, you know, some relationship or some circumstance? What does the word have to say? If you say, gee, I don't know. Well, you know what? I just gave you a little hint. Go in the back of the book. Most of you have study Bibles. Find a way, right? Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door will be opened, right? Seek all these things first and the kingdom will be added to you, right? Know all all those verses, right? Um, Yeah, you know what? Those are in the Bible. How do I know them? Because I've actually read my Bible. Not even close to knowing the whole thing. But it's sweet when you have access to it like that. And you're able to go through life and things just ricochet off you now. Things that would have toppled you five years ago. You're like, pachoon, I MEAN, THAT'S BECAUSE OF ME, YOU KNOW, BUT, YOU KNOW, I'M SPEAKING FIGURATIVELY, SCOTT. <laughs> ANYWAYS, PART, OUR GOAL IS TO SEE IT ALL AS TRUTH, NOT PART OF IT. THAT GOES WITH EVERY CIRCUMSTANCE IN LIFE, WHICH MEANS THAT SPIRITUAL TRUTH IS THE LIGHT WE MUST SHINE ON ALL CIRCUMSTANCES, JAMES 1, 7, 8, CHOOSING TO LOOK AT ONLY A PART OF SOMETHING or someone is to be double-minded. That's, I mean, I just did all the work for you, but I'll give it to you in the Scripture so you don't think I'm making stuff up. James 1, 7 8. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded dipsukas. means properly two-souled, figuratively double-minded. A person split in half, vacillating like a spiritual schizophrenic. That's a double-minded person. That person is unstable. Okay, so let's just reel back a little bit. What did I say about partiality? As soon as you split it, you suffer. Splitting thinking is partiality, is double-mindedness. What does the word literally just say? The person with a double mind is unstable in all their ways. I don't know anyone who's unstable who's at peace. No one. Peace and stability are synonyms, in a sense. Instability is the opposite of peace. Well, what does the word say? Then don't be double-minded. Have integrity. You do have that choice, believe it or not. Have integrity. Look at your family, look at your loved ones, look at whoever is giving you problems, and, and, and look at them with the same light, in the same light. Look in the mirror. Who are we more partial with than ourselves? We, forget, I don't know, some of us are so arrogant, I don't want to get into it, but we're so arrogant. And we we judge everybody else. We spend all our time pointing fingers, right? We got those big fingers from the football games, big foam things, right? And we look in the mirror and we're like, yeah, I'm not bad. Schizophrenic. That's unstable. You're unstable. You don't have peace. You propose you do. You pretend you do, but you don't. Now, before we close, let's give tonight's message context in the bigger curriculum. Go to 1 John 4, 1. We're going to see an old friend. Go quickly, please. 1 John 4, verse 1. We're going to see an old friend that's going to tie us all the way back to our primary course of study. This is where this all started. 1 John 4, 1. <clears throat> 1 John 4:1 reads Beloved, do not believe every spirit. But test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. That's your job. It's not my job to, to follow you around and say, nope, yep, nope, nope, yep, yep. You test the spirits. You test the spirits. How do you do that? Well, you have to have the apparatus, right? Here we go. You ready? Guess what it is. Da-da, there it is. That's it. You want to test something? You've got to have the apparatus. And if any of you ever took chemistry class, you know, did titrations and weird stuff like that. There was all kinds of apparatus. You had to do all this weird stuff, right? You couldn't do it without the apparatus. Well, you can't test the spirits without the apparatus. Don't go on feelings. You see how little feelings I brought into this message, as per the spirit, this evening? Because you don't want to be led by your feelings. The spiritual life is not an emotional journey. It's a mindful one. It's one filled with integrity and knowledge of truth. That's very different. You may have emotional responses, but the lead is what you know and understand, the wisdom you have, your convictions about truth. And truth by itself is not emotional. It just is. It's like life is good. It's not an emotional statement. It just is because God says it is. That's it. That's it. Even like you you can go on the south side of things, right, and say uh, we're wretched. Should I get all emotional about that? Actually not. You just say, it's true. I'm a wretch. Left by myself without the grace of God, I'm going to do the worst things you can possibly imagine. Right? That's my flesh. That's a fact. Am I emotional about it? No. Nope. It's just the way it is. It's just the way it is. So the practical example, again, I'll leave you with this because we're out of time. The practical example that was drawn out of us, uh, all of this, was from one simple question. When you're under pressure, who do you turn to? In other words, which spirit do we listen to under pressure? And do we test it before we listen or do we bypass all of that? If every circumstance in life is a spiritual one, then shouldn't we be testing every spirit by default? if every circumstance in life is a spiritual one then shouldn't we be testing every spirit by default I'll leave you with that let's bow our heads dear Heavenly Father thank you so much for this incredible message this evening thank you for truth that sets us free Father thank you for giving us access to the truth whenever we want it we know that whatever is good in us is by your grace alone Father thank you for reminding us of that as well we just ask your blessings as we take the things we've learned back to the privacy of our own souls, and maybe back to our homes, and then your will be done out to a world that's decaying. We ask this in Jesus Christ's precious name. By the power of the Spirit, we do pray. Amen. Thank you.